During this time to have to stay at our homes, our families started playing more games. Um, at times, like Pastor Chick said last week, we sit in our recliners and look at our TVs. We've started to play a game actually on our TV from Jackbox Games and even figured out how to do this with our son who lives down in Baltimore and his wife and Phyllis's brother and, and his family lives down in the main line. One of the Jackbox Games we like to play is called Gaspionage. There's a survey question shared, for example, what percentage of people wear socks when you sleep at night? Now you're thinking about that. So one designated player guesses the amount that they think, and it's a percentage between 0 and 100%. The rest of the players guess whether that player's answer they think is actually higher than the actual answer or lower than the actual answer, and, and to what degree. And everybody scores points based upon how close they get to the number. Now you've got to be thinking for this question, what was the answer? Well, the answer was 16%. 16% of people actually wear socks when they go to sleep at night. Now, I want to play that game again, but this time I want to do it with something a little more serious rather than a silly question. I want to ask a real one. According to a study performed by researchers at the University of Cincinnati, what percentage of the things that we worry about in our lives actually happen? If I say 50%, would you be guessing is it's higher or lower than that? Most likely you'd be guessing probably lower, probably more than, probably less than half of the things that happen to us. How about I said a third or 33%? And many of you are thinking, that might be about right. Maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower. What if I said 25% or even 20%? And most of you are thinking, nah, it's probably higher than that. Probably more than one out of five or one out of four of the things that I worry about happen to me. What is the answer that they found? They found that it's surprising only 15% of the things that we worry about in life actually really happen. Now, how did they come up with this? What they did is they asked people to write down their worries over an extended period of time and then identify which of the ones that never happened. The result that they found was 85% of the things that people wrote down that they worried about never happened. And out of that 15% that people wrote down the things that did happen, almost 80% of those things actually were things that they felt that they were equipped to handle and actually handled them better than they thought they would. This means if you bring those two numbers together, that 97% of what we worry about, or what they worried about, or even we worry about, the things that capture our hearts and our minds, didn't actually cause some major negative effects in their lives. Now, this is just a secular survey, a survey that was done under previous conditions to the ones we're currently living under. For almost all of us right now, the things we worried about are clearly on the rise. With this virus and social distancing, as Pastor Chick shared last week, we're worried about our finances. We could be worried about our health. We're worried about the health of those who are invulnerable, who we know. We're worried about all kinds of things. And it almost starts to seem like it's going to overwhelm us. So I think the things that we're worrying about are more. And really what we're thinking right now is, how can I worry less? Well, that's actually God's design for us. And we're very fortunate to be in the middle of this Sermon on the Mount series, Kingdom Living, that actually talks to this. We're going to see ways that God has designed for us to fill our life more with faith and less with worry. Our sermon series has something to say about this very special topic of worry. Jesus is going to teach us today how to not just handle the majority of things that we worry about that actually don't happen, but it'll also teach us how to handle those few things that do, that really seem to rock our world. We'll learn from Jesus how to focus away from our worries and onto faith in our caring Heavenly Father. We will learn from Jesus how to increase our faith in this caring Father, which will enable us to put some of our fears in perspective like we talked about, but also realize more and more of his presence in our lives and how that will increase our trust in him to provide for us when we need it. 
Well, remember last week, Pastor Chick's preaching on helped us to understand where our treasure is. And that's also where our heart is. He helped us to see those things in our lives that capture our hearts sometimes and to be able to understand that where we should really be putting our focus. Jesus continues that theme this week by pointing out we're so focused sometimes on the things of this world, it leads us to start to worry. And it takes our focus away from our caring Heavenly Father. We're going to read together the passage, look at it a little more deeply to see what it has to say, and then see how it speaks to the things in our everyday life. So I ask you to turn with me now in your Bible, or your Bible app, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, starting in verse 25. We're going to read through verse 34. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more about more than food, and the body more than the clothes? I look, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of those. I tell you, if God, I tell you, if that is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which are here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what, will we, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So let's delve into this together. Jesus transitions, as we've talked about, what Pastor Chuck Chick was talking about last week in verse 24, where he says that we can't serve two masters. He was clear at the end that we either hate one and love the other, or we're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. He summarizes saying we cannot serve both God and money. Now he's going to expound on that more in this section that we're looking at today. He starts in verse 25 and says we can't have our primary focus be split, split across the things that we have in God and the things that we have in this world. As an example, he tells us not to worry about certain things like what we will eat or what we will wear. He also provides the rationale behind it, saying, is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? This is something we can chew on. So let's do that a bit. What did Jesus mean when he told us not to worry about stuff? So this worry that he's talking about is that sense of uneasiness. Did you ever have that sense of just not feeling right about things? You get anxious about what might happen. It's also familiar to us. I think right now it's even accentuated with everything we're going through. The worry Jesus refers to here is the sense of just we're not sure what's going to happen and we're worried about what might happen if it does. Now, ironically, in the, in the crowd at that time was one of Jesus' followers named Peter. And he heard Jesus talk about this. And many years later, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write about the same idea in a letter that he wrote in 1 Peter Chapter 5, verse saying says, Cast all of your anxiety on him, referring to God, our Heavenly Father, because he cares for you. Clearly, Peter knew what it was like to be anxious, and he remembered what Jesus said, and he reminds us here about this care that the Heavenly Father has for us that Jesus taught him at that time and is teaching us here today. In Jesus and Peter's time, fathers were the ones who culturally were seen as the providers for their families. In the same way today, our kids look to us as their parents for the ones who take care of their needs. Jesus is using this example of Heavenly Father that we should look to to take care of our needs. Jesus often gives us examples 
insights into what he's teaching. So here we see for this worrying about what we shouldn't eat or drink, Jesus uses in verse 26 the example of the birds. And birds are all around us. I just saw you know, so many of them in a bird feeders outside of our windows, and there's some flitting around. This time of spring, it's just so easy to remember the birds. And Jesus says, they don't sow or reap or store away in heaven, yet our heavenly Father cares for them and feeds them, is really the word that he uses there. Now, ironically, this idea of feeding, Jesus may have been thinking back to something that from the Old Testament that there might be a story that they were familiar with about the prophet Elijah. And what happened was is that in the, in the prophet Elijah's story, he was living in the, in the time of a famine, and he needed food and things to drink. And what God did is he used ravens, specifically birds, to be able to take care of him. And the parallel passage, the one we're looking at today in Luke chapter 12, actually refers to these birds as ravens. I'd like to read the passage from the Old Testament. is actually in 1 Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 3. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and head to the Keith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, as I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did that. As the Lord had told him, he went to Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, he stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. So here Jesus is reminding them of that story and actually telling them, look at the birds and how God takes care of them and all the needs that they have for food. And then he asks a really interesting rhetorical question. He says, are we not more special than those birds? Are we not more important? Are we not much more valuable to him than birds? And it's clear what the answer is. Clearly we are. It's one of those times where, you know, as a parent, you often ask your kids these questions and they kind of have a sense, are you trying to, are we supposed to answer that question or is it a rhetorical question? Right? But we know sometimes as parents, we ask them questions knowing, do you not know that I love you? Do you not know that I care for you? And the answer they know in their heart is that, you, that we do. So Jesus was bringing them to mind probably a verse from Psalm chapter 145, verse 15, where he's reminding them, the eyes of all look to you. Again, this heavenly Father. And what do they look to him for? They look to you to give them their food at the proper time. So Jesus was reminding them and reminding us that God gives us all that we need in the proper time. And he wants us to turn our eyes away from the things that worry us and back to the focus of our faith. So Jesus ends this verse actually talking about this idea of a heavenly father who feeds them. Now this word for father that Jesus uses that person in your life who created you, preserves you, and protects you. Now this is not the father, you might remember these kind of fathers. I brought you into this world and I can take you out of it, right? But instead it's a father who provides for you, who dotes over you, and keeps close tabs on you. Jesus later in the gospel, in the same gospel, Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, reminds them about this type of father. And he tells us again about birds, and he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care? This is a father who cares about details. This is a father who keeps track of us and keeps track of things. Chick mentioned this verse last week when he spoke, just reminding us how much he cares about everything that happens to us. Jesus continues on in verse 27, and he asks another rhetorical question. And he asks, can any of us, by wearing, add a single hour to our lives? Now, this idea Jesus is sharing about an hour to our lives really is meant to remind us of something that we don't have control over, which is time. We can't push it out further if something bad's going to come up, and we can't extend it longer if we're really enjoying something, as much as we'd like. 
Jesus was reinforcing God's words that we see in Psalm chapter 39, verse 4, where it says, Show me, Lord, my life's end, and help me to number my days. Let me know how fleeting they are. Many of you are familiar that my dad passed away suddenly very recently. And this idea of fleeting, the fleetingness of life is very fresh to me. And the ability for me not to be able to control time has been a hard lesson for me to be reminded of in recent days. But I think the idea is, is that we just want that control, right? And we love things that way. Remember when we were younger? You just wanted to look older, right? You know, that first time you were going to shave, or the first time you look at it, somebody says you're 13, oh, you look like you're 16. You're like, oh, that's great. You really you felt awesome. And then those of us who get older, obviously, what do we want? We want to look younger, right? And how we feel, somebody says, oh, you don't look 30 at all. You don't look 40 at all. There's just that, that sense that we get from that because inside, that's really what we want. We want to be able to control time. But Jesus is reminding us here that despite our desire to do that and how we feel about those things, really there's something we can do. He's reminding us that no anxiety that we have is going to alter the clocks or the calendars of our lives. Time is that part of our life that is fixed by God and his sovereignty. There's nothing we can do about it. Not a lot of bit of our anxiety is going to be able to add to the length of our lives that God has appointed for us to live. And that's a hard thing to understand. Now, Jesus moves on. He talks about clothes. And he says, for worrying about what you'll wear, he says, he gives us the example of a flower or these flowers that grow in the fields and how they don't exert any effort to do that, yet they look splendid. And he uses a cultural point of view where he points to this person named Solomon, who was the king at the time, and he had the most incredible wardrobe. So imagine somebody in our time having the most incredible wardrobe and Jesus talking about how a flower is much more beautiful than them, yet it does nothing. So despite Solomon's great wealth and his amazing wardrobe, the flowers were considered more beautiful than them without any effort. But really, again, Jesus is going to ask that rhetorical question. If God cares so much for these flowers, doesn't he care so much more for us? In fact, what he does is when he talks about the flowers, he uses a word that he wants us to look at the flowers. And this look that he talks about is actually a gaze where you you put your attention on something and you focus it there. And you look at almost the details of something that you can maybe haven't noticed before. So when I was a boy, uh, I would get a magazine called Highlights. And in Highlights, they would often have two pictures in there. And really, there was a game that we had to do to be able to tell whether the difference between this picture and that picture to see kind of there were five differences or ten differences. It's that type of gaze that Jesus is encouraging us to do with the flowers. The same idea when he said, look at the birds, look at these flowers, look intently at them. Take some time to just watch how they grow. Watch how they fly. Watch how they take care of themselves. And what are the things that we can learn? What are the differences we can see? But here, it's not so much the differences. It's like, if God takes care of them in such a way, wow, how much more does he take care of me? The one he created. The one he dotes over. The one he cares for. But what happens? We worry. And Jesus knows that. In fact, Solomon actually was somebody who got inspired earlier on in the book of Proverbs about this whole topic of worry and anxiety. In Proverbs 12, 25, it says, Anxiety weighs down the heart. And really, that was what Jesus was tugging at here is our hearts. We've looked at this throughout our whole series in terms of what's happening with inside of our hearts. And so Jesus is just worried that too much we worry about the things that we, how, how good we look, how good we feel, what are the things that we're eating. But instead, he just wants us to say, look, don't be worried down. Don't be weighted down. And in fact, he reminds him in the, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, verse 34, he says, be careful. Our hearts are going to be weighed down with what? Will we weigh down the, those anxieties of life? And that's what anxiety does. It just weighs us down. 
Jesus takes a little poke here about the examples and then refers to us as just having so little faith. That's how we feel sometimes when we're worried and overwhelmed. It's as if like our faith has gone away. So what he does is he decides to repeat himself. And how many of us do that? You know, you kind of say something to somebody and then you remind them again of it, you remind them again of it. So he's going to say it again. He's going to continue in the subsequent verses saying, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? But now he has to understand those things that we can't serve two masters, rather running after those things that God has made or running after God himself. Which one is it? Too often we're preoccupied with those things that about taking care of ourselves and doing things by ourselves because we have doubts. We have doubts if really God has us fully covered. Recently, Phyllis and I, last month, were actually scheduled to go on a trip, an uh, international trip, and unfortunately that trip had to be canceled. But we took trip insurance out ahead of time to make sure that we were covered. Unfortunately, what we learned is, is that our trip insurance was not covered for pandemics. So you can imagine how we felt about this coverage about this trip insurance. And sometimes we feel that way about God. Is, 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 a, is there some sort of caveat somewhere? Is there something that we didn't read or understand well enough about him that he doesn't have me covered? And so there's doubts that often come in our mind about his goodness and his care. What Jesus has explained to us here is how God's care coverage for us is complete and comprehensive. There's no gaps. There's no little fine print. There's nothing to worry about. It's just as we see the birds and we see the flowers, we can trust in his care. As he did earlier in verse 32, God refers to God as the Heavenly Father. I earlier explained what Father meant, this concept of Father, but there was an important piece I want to now touch on, which is this whole idea of being a Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father refers to God's dwelling place, where he's at. But it doesn't just talk about God being there. What it talks about is because God is there, what does he have available for us as a result of basically being in heaven? And there's really two things. It's privileges and resources. And that's really what heaven has to offer to us. We have the privilege of having this intimate relationship with him. And we have the resources that take care of our needs. Now, let me just kind of give you an example of this kind of concept of privileges and resources. Um, in the month of uh, just last, maybe about two months ago, Phyllis's stepbrother, Jeff, works at the Pentagon. And he was getting promoted to colonel. And as a result, we had the opportunity to go down and celebrate together with him. We went down there because of the relationship we had with Jeff. We got to have special parking. We got to go into a special location. We got to have a special tour. We got to have special Pentagon cookies. There was all kinds of things that we get, were given as a result of our connection to Jeff. These were all things. Now, this is, now you can imagine if I now say, how much more? I'm going to ask the rhetorical question of us. Do we have access to things because of our God who resides in heaven as our Heavenly Father? What are the resources and privileges that he has to bring into our lives? Jesus wants us to consider those because of him. Now, Jesus comes to the end of this passage, and he summarizes all these things up in these final verses that are often quoted. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. In other words, if you're not going to worry because you understand he is a Heavenly Father, cares deeply for her, then what should you do instead? And that is seek his kingdom and his righteousness and let all these things be given to you as well. So it's not God or these things. It's as we put our focus in the right place, all these things will be given to us. But there's a warning here about what happens about where we place our hearts and the things that capture. And Pastor Chick talked about that last week. He wraps up with an interesting remark about worry. In verse 34, he says, Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
And isn't that the case? Jesus is reminding us here that so many of the things that we worry about are things not so much that we have experienced or are experiencing, but all these hypothetical things that are kind of coming our way, or so we think. So what do we do with this teaching? How do we apply it to our lives? For some of us, this idea of a Heavenly Father cares for us may seem foreign. Jesus is teaching and encourages us here to have faith and to have it in that Heavenly Father. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. For some of you listening today or watching today, this faith in God is one that maybe is very new to you or maybe one you've never experienced before. This idea of a Heavenly Father who provide for your needs and has provided some way to take care of you may also seem odd or foreign. But more importantly, not only has he provided for your needs, but he's provided a way for you to have an intimate relationship with him through the death of his son on the cross. And this all, if we go back to the beginning of our sermon, this whole sermon series, we'll see in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, it said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus wants us to do today is to be able to realize that there is a heavenly father, and he wants us to be poor in spirit, and that is to be able to realize that we're at the end of our rope. And that we can't really experience God without experiencing our need for him. We can't start having this personal relationship with him without realizing that there's a break in the relationship to start with. So the way that we can get right with him is by experiencing that faith and putting our faith in his son and what he did for us. And that's our heart's desire for those of you who are in that position today. May today be the first day that you experience this new relationship and place your faith in your heavenly father. Now, for those of us who are seeking to grow deeper in our faith and closer to our Heavenly Father, how can we apply this teaching to our daily lives? We said in the beginning we're going to learn from Jesus how to alter our focus away from our worries and how to put it on the faith in our Heavenly Father. So how do we alter our focus? I started today talking about this game Jackbox and one of the games inside it called Gespionage. We looked at the survey of all these things that people worry about, and the answer we learned was really 15% of those things that we worry about happen. And actually, 97% of them really affect us. So there's a guy named Montague, and he once said, My life has been filled with so much terrible misfortune, most of which which has never happened. And isn't that the case? So the image I've thought about for this is this concept, really what we need to do is get our heads out of the fog. You ever hear that sense where your head's in the fog? Well, actually, I'd like you to think about real fog. It's actually raining a little bit and uh, kind of misty of what's going on this week. And that imagery just comes up. Fog can be scary. It can obscure our ability to see things. can cause accidents. But you know how much water is in fog? Seven city blocks can be covered in fog 100 feet deep, and yet it's less than an 8-ounce glass of drinking water. And worries like that thick fog, right, that will settle in and shut us down. But so much of our worries really are not based in any sort of reality of what's going to happen. But as I mentioned in the beginning, really what we want to learn from Jesus is not just to get perspective on what might or might not happen to us, but to really learn how to alter our focus and turn it away from those things and onto God and to be able to how to go deeper with him. So how do we do that? How do we turn our focus away? Not just understanding, kind of rationalizing our mind that these things are small or maybe unlikely, but what do we do to be able to turn that away? Well, we have to be able to identify really what's going on in our hearts. I know for me that most of the worries that come into my heart are really the ones about things that I try to control things in life. I want to be able to have control over things when I realize I can't. 
It doesn't matter how little or how much I have sometimes. It's just desire to be able to have some level of understanding of what will happen and have control over what I think will happen. It's only when I begin to let go of that, understand that my Heavenly Father cares for me, has good plans in store for me, that I can begin to be able to change that focus. So why is Jesus so emphatic and prescriptive about us about these things? Because he knows that our minds and our bodies are designed to unfortunately stress out about these things and have those anxieties. And the reality is, is that as we experience this stress and worry, what happens is, is that we actually are affected physically, emotionally, and spiritually in ways that really affect us and then it affects the ways that we deal with other people. Now, of course, this is probably just something hypothetical for me. I mean, you know, I, I'm really exempt from worry. Um, but actually, that's not the case. Those of, who, are, who live with me can attest to this, particularly all of us who have been cramped up in our homes together with each other. This is really coming out in a pronounced way recently. So Jesus doesn't just want to eliminate worry in our life. He really wants to replace it with something better. He wants to replace it with faith and intimacy with the Heavenly Father. So how do we increase our faith? How do we go about that? I think many of us who have been walking with the Lord for a period of time have taken certain special verses and put them in our hearts and then pull them out again and pull them out again. And one that you're probably most familiar with is one from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, which says, Do not be what? Anxious about anything. But in every situation, how? By prayer, talking to God and petition, with thanksgiving, getting perspective, present your request to God. And then what happens in verse 7? Then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, what's interesting about those verses, many of us have kind of ingested those and kind of chew over them from time to time, and particularly in these days. But there's a verse that precedes it that I want to bring your attention to. It's the last part of verse 5 which provides the reason why we can do this. Maybe you may or may not remember it. It says that the Lord is near. Our Heavenly Father is near to us. He's caring for us. And there's other verses that remind us of that. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be called. Call to him while he is near. God is near. So when you realize how near something is to you, it allows you to gain your focus in a right way. I mentioned about this jackbox, and there's another game that they have called Push. Push the button, where all the players can get on board a spaceship, and some players are secretly designated as aliens. Some of you are already excited about this. The goal is to figure out which are the people are the aliens, and which and get them off the ship. If all the aliens are found, the humans win the game, and at least one of the aliens is not found, the aliens win the game. And so the reason I bring up this other Jackbox game is, is that's kind of what it's like with our focus here. God wants us to understand what are those things in our life that are really alien or not from him and to be able to identify them and then to find those things that are from him and to be able to kind of dwell our focus on them. Psalm, in Psalm ninety four nineteen it says, When anxiety was great within me or when all these aliens were around me, your consolation brought me joy. You have the others, the other people on there. So as we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, living more for him, we're able to more identify these alien anxieties and cast them out of our lives and understand his care for us. But why is it that we should have these anxieties? And what does God want us to do with them when we start having them? Well, I think we talked about the birds that we see and the flowers that we see. So God's going to bring reminders into our lives of how to do those and equip ourselves in those way. There's just two additional examples I want to give from everyday life. One example is our money both the money in our wallets and those in our accounts. 
As for the money in our wallets, as we use, as we go to stores, particularly grocery stores these days, just want you to get something out and then look inside it and say, in God we trust. And so as you use money or as you look at your own bank account at times, those are the things that we want to remember to put our faith in his provision for us. The other example I want to give you out is, is that of our calendars. Many of us have our calendars on our phones, and we can take a look at them and see kind of what's coming up. I know for us and our family, our calendar got quickly erased on most of the activities that were happening. But what I can tell you is, as we look at our calendars, we can see that basically day by day that we don't have any control of what might happen next. And that will remind us to be able to count our days and know that he's the one who has everything under control. He's the one who knows the number of hairs on our heads. Lastly, how do we handle those very hard things that still are going to happen to us? This is not just about not worrying and changing our focus, but how do we handle hard things? We handle hard things by drawing closer to the one who cares most for us. So when hard things happen in your life, usually what happens is you want to talk to people who are closest to you. You want to be able to tell them... Oh, you're not sure you understand. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Your phone's not going to understand. So who is it that is going to understand? It's the person who made you. It's the person who cares for you. It's the person who watches over you. And it's that heavenly father who resides there. So let me just tell you just even about the worry. So as you might know, I mentioned this heavenly father, and he's up in heaven. He has all these resources to bear for us. So Phyllis has, her father happens to live in Ocean City, Maryland. And they have a house down there. And when we go down there to spend time with them, so they can have time with the grandkids, and we can go down to the bay and the beach, we often will go to the beach with them. Well, when Phyllis and I go down, we don't bring a beach towel, we don't bring a beach chair, we don't bring beach toys, we don't bring anything. Because we know that they have all those things. And we have access to them because of our relationship with them. They're at our disposal and they're given to us to use whenever we need them. So Phyllis's father who cares for her and our family, can have this set of resources for us when we go to the beach, how much more does our Heavenly Father, who has all the resources in the world available at his disposal, take care of us? Psalm 148.18 is one of the verses that reminds us of that. It says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Psalm 34.17 and 18 is, is a good one to just bring to mind right now. It says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all of their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. And that's what you do when these hard things happen. You remember that you have a Heavenly Father who has resources to lean in and care for you. And also one who's going to just come by and provide comfort. Many of you know, as I mentioned earlier, that I lost my dad recently, unexpectedly, to a heart attack. And it's really been a time that's been struggle for me, and I've really had to lean in to God and talk to him just about my brokenness and my sadness about what I'm experiencing right now. So one last example I want to give you just to help you remember how to just be able to cast your worries on him and cast your cares on him because he cares for you is about your photos. So when my dad passed away, we had the opportunity to just go back and look through photos and remember those good times that we had with him and just provide a comfort in just the relationship we had with him. So this week, I just want to encourage you to look at the photos on your phone. Look at those good memories, not just of those people, but allow the relationships that you have and more the photos you have of these things that God has allowed you to have to remind you of the one who gave them to you. 
take some time this week and look through your photos and have him talk to you and share with you just how special you are, how wonderful you are to him and how much he dotes over you. It reminds me of an old hymn uh, that says, He lives. And I'd just like to recite the words of it just in closing here. He says, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. The familiar chorus says, He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation, as we talked about earlier, to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. The next verse reminds us of what Jesus was teaching about today. In all the world around me, I see his loving care. And though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leaving through all the stormy blasts. The day of his appearing will come at last. Let's pray. God, please alter our focus today from those things that have captured our hearts and have us so worried about things. Help us to take these cares and anxieties and cast them on you because you care for us. Increase our faith in you and how much you care for us. Provide reminders from us, from the birds that we see, the flowers that we see, as well as our the money in our wallets, our calendars, and this, even these photos. Help them to remind us of your comprehensive care for us and all of our needs. For those of us experiencing very hard things, may we lean in more to you at this time and experience more of your peace in the midst of it all. We thank you for this teaching. In your name, amen.